Hello and welcome to A Voice of Hope with Troy Peverall. This show is designed to offer hope for you and your family as you navigate through the struggles of life. We believe that this hope that comes from Jesus can lead you to live a life of victory in Him. I'm Chris Sasser, and today I get to lead us through a conversation about hope. We are glad you're here. Well, hello and welcome to A Voice of Hope, Chris Sasser, along with Troy Peverall, and we have a very special guest today. I'll let Troy introduce her in just a moment, but we're going to have a conversation for a couple of episodes around um, something that's near and dear to to my heart for sure because of A, who lives in my house, and B, (laughs) the job that I get to do as a family ministry pastor, and I know it's near and dear to a lot of people. Uh, so Troy, why don't you tell everybody what we're going to jump into and then introduce our guest today. This is good, a great topic. It was good for me to kind of know that we've got a voice of hope with us today uh, through Lori Koshard. Um, but it, it made me go back a few years ago um, to thinking about my being a dad to four teenagers, uh, as well as being a, a student pastor for a few years. And uh I, I just, I felt this overwhelming sense of like, man, I don't know that I'm relevant anymore. <laughs> but at the same time, I think I'm crazy enough to be okay with, with teenagers. Um, but but I uh, am so glad that Lori is with us. Lori is a uh, counselor uh, at Agape Counseling Associates in Wilmington here. And she, this is her expertise. This is the area that she spends her life quite a bit in. And I thought it would be a great to have her. So, yeah, we're going to be talking about today's teens. Um, and just that title for me came more so because I know that there are things about teenagers that are, you know, historically present in their lives through the generations, but also believe that today's teens are going through so much uh, that, you know, when I was a youth pastor and even when my children were teenagers, things have changed. And my kids who are now in their upper 20s and 30s, they even see the difference and we'll talk about it. And so uh, she's, she is also, you know, I was thinking about her credentials and I'm like, man, it's probably better for me to let her tell you about all that. (laughs) But at the same time, I'm like, the one thing that she has that I'm like, makes her qualified is that she's a mother. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And so, so I thought this was, this was perfect to have her because there are many mothers listening and fathers listening. And, um, there's, there's that word hope that is so needed, especially with, uh, how to, to just be in love teens. And even though you may not have teens now or never have, or never will, uh, regardless, I believe that everyone, uh, who's listening needs to just know, and love this this time of life because it's so pivotal for so many things that are going to be even affecting us in the future oh, as yeah. adults and yeah. um, just the generations that will follow them. Yeah, for sure. And, and how many grandkids do you have, Troy, now? Uh, I have seven and one on the way. And what's the oldest grandkid? Uh, how, how old? old? She's 10. Okay, so you're, like, you're probably like a lot of listeners. <laughs> right. You're pretty close to having grandchildren yes. as teenagers. Yes, that's right. Right, And so it's, yes. this is, isn't that crazy? So not only is this helpful for people that are listening who are parents. I know, all of a sudden you made me a little scared. Well, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, actually, no, I, I, here's the thing with our children. Um, I'm just like, sometimes our, the, people have asked us like, how come your kids are so good? This was back in the day. And so I'm like, well, give it some time. No, yeah, right, because no, they're not as good anymore. Right. <laughs> but, I, but I look and I go, I, I, I know there are things in our lives, my wife and I, and things that we did right, but there are many things that we also did wrong. Um, 
But when I look at our children in that time, you know, a lot of parents I know fear that time that's coming because their kids are less than a teenager yeah. in age. But I will just say as a, as an encouragement and for hope as well, that Kim and I were ones that experienced that was the best time of life for raising children for us. Like their teen years were fantastic. Yeah. And it's not that they didn't have the crazy things that teens have. Those things came too, but it was just, it was just fun. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I remember one story that's like, okay, this one's going to follow me a little bit. Uh, my daughter, one of my daughters came in, um, and she confessed that she had jumped off the Riceville Beach Bridge. <laughs> and so there was a part of me going, you're stupid. But at the same time, I'm also going, remember, Troy? Yeah, right. And all those things. that I'm Ask like, for a high five. I know. <laughs> That's right. And so there was a little sense of excitement that she took advantage of her dangerous spirit. That's right. And she has remained that and way. She and she came back home. Oh, I know. That's, that was the good thing. So, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, life with teenagers, if you think it's going to fit in a really small and good, comfortable package, another thing's coming. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah, but I, but I agree with you kind of personally. I have loved life with teenagers. Yeah, that's And good. I think a lot of people, step, they, they go towards life with teenagers with this angst and this, mm-hmm. oh, this is going to be terrible as a parent. And I think sometimes if parents do that, yeah. well, it's the self-fulfilling prophecy, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and all of a sudden things are yeah. more difficult. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. that difficult. It can be hard, but it can also be great. So anyway, we oh, talked enough. Great. That's so <clears throat> Lori, tell us about yeah. you, that's your so family, cool. kind of what you do with Agape and why it is that sort of you gravitate towards, I guess, teenagers and sort of what's going on with them. Okay. Um, I am Lori Cochard. I am a licensed clinical social worker. Um, my husband is a psychologist as well. So you can imagine all the fun times at home wow. for our teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of evaluation have, going on there. Huh? I have a freshman in college and a senior in high school. And um, it's kind of Rick. I'll, he'll kill me if I tell the story. <laughs> no, you got to do um, it now. He's probably not going to Yeah, he's not. Yeah. I remember my right. son was about 15. He said, you know, Mom, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad that you and Dad do what you do. And I'm like, I'm scared to ask, you know. Yeah, right. And he says, well, it's good because you teach us how to be aware of things and our surroundings and think through things and be mindful of things, you know, that, you know, other kids <laughs> our age typically don't. I'm like, okay, well, that's good. And I says, well, what's the bad part? Of that he goes well it keeps you from having fun sometimes good idea <laughs> my kids often will say dad you're just doing research on us now like we know you're trying to figure this out or figure that out so, right. yeah. i get it i get it <laughs> but um this is i think i was thinking the other day i this is like 28 years i think i'm going around um wow. where i've been actively involved in youth at least since i graduated um from college and i was doing youth ministry stuff even um, early college years. And, um, you know, my heart has always been drawn to those who are unseen. Mm. Um, even mm. when I was a kid, I, I know that God always put something in me and I did not grow up, uh, as a Christian. I wasn't a Christian until I was a junior in high school. And it was really because of other kids drawing me in. And I think for me, that was always on my heart to want to do for others, for those that were unchurched. Um, you know, now my family are Christians and my parents are super active involved in the church and, and all of that. Um, but that's always been the draw of my heart. And always for yeah. kind of those unchurched kids initially, those really hurting kids. And um it's just interesting to see how God has created that path that my ministry, my heart is my career. 
Oh, wow. Um, And so throughout my years, I've worked um, with kids um, in foster care, juvenile justice, um, residential care, most recently in the acute hospital. And then now, of course, I'm over at Agape doing outpatient. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's I've had kind of an interesting (laughs) career along the way of dealing with kind of the depths of despair and hurt and pain. Um, with kids, but also through that to be able to see such great joy and see God do some amazing things mm-hmm. with um, with a lot of darkness. That's so good. There's it's so neat how things kind of come back around uh, in life because, and you just don't know. But Lori, um, she and her husband actually went to the boys in the uh, girls' home of North Carolina back in the early two thousands uh, to to work there. And I was actually one of the counselors with Agape that we we were there as well. Wow. And they we didn't they they came and then we weren't there for too much longer. But that's where I met her husband first. And I knew Lori was somewhere on the campus. And I don't know that we actually our paths crossed. Yeah. But when she when it came back around to, to uh, just about a year ago, I think. Um, to have her a part of Agape, it was kind of like, well, this is neat how things yeah. kind of come full that's circle. Right. Love that. yeah. That's right. God was working years ago in yeah, that connection, that's right? right. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay, Lori, so so obviously you deal with teenagers a lot. You understand kind of what's going on in the world of teenagers today as much as that's possible, right? Yeah. <laughs> For us as adults. What do you see as some of the biggest challenges that teenagers are facing today? I think some of the biggest challenges I see quite often are the need to achieve the need to measure up, um, and that's across the board, academically, athletically, even spiritually, um, with their families, their friends. Um, there's a lot of pressures to achieve. And, of course, I think a lot of that is supported by the environment around them. Oh, yeah. Uh, just our society has really pushed that an awful lot. And the pressures that are placed on teenagers I have not seen in ever. ever. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's enormous. <laughs> it is. And and that is whether they be churched or unchurched kids. Yep. Wow. Um, I'm a youth leader at Ripple Effect in Leland. And recently we did, a, I don't know if it was one or two um, sessions, but on anxiety with the kids. And I think parents would have been very surprised at the level of anxiety that they're kids deal with on a daily basis. Yeah, it feels like the the kids are, they feel it, but they have become really good at disguising it because they just, they kind of feel like, well, this is the the, sort of the water I swim in, so I got to keep swimming upstream or down the stream or whatever Mm -hmm. analogy you want to use with it, yeah. It becomes kind of the norm of their thinking, and so they don't stop and question it. Um, And so they are caught in kind of this web of um, distorted thoughts, negative thoughts, pressures, and all of that. And, and they don't, they don't understand it enough because we don't talk about it enough, Mm, I think, to be able to share it with those around them. So I use a phrase a lot in, in therapy of people get to a point where they suffer in silence. Wow. So we don't mm. want that for sure for teenagers because they tend to start to isolate themselves and and then kind of get caught up in that. So, yeah. so it's kind of almost a side note. I mean, as she's just saying that, I was thinking about so much of of their of their lives and all of our lives will directly relate to where is our head, mm. where is mm. our mind, 
So with what she just said, I thought how, you know, teens, but as well as adults, but that time of life due to just the development of life, due to all that we see culturally that is different, even when I raise kids or teenagers, I mean, that's where they spend their life is in their heads yeah, so much. Right. And so it would become what they would know as their norm. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's a good thought to remember. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, like I can see your physical body as a kid. I can see what you portray um, that can sometimes be so surface, but the real story to all of us is deeper than that. And it's where are we sometimes right here upside in the head. Yeah. Hey, Lori, really quickly, talk about what is this sort of need to sort of measure up and all this pressure that they're feeling? What is it doing to our teenagers? It is making them feel on that they're not worthy. Not good enough. Can't not live good up. enough. Yeah. They, they have to do all things all of the time. They have to almost sacrifice their happiness for the achievement. Um, I see that a lot. Yeah, it's so hard and, and, and hard to watch, and it's just sad as you sort of see what happens to them. So we have a lot to talk about when it comes to this. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll continue talking about today's teens. You're listening to A Voice of Hope. Thanks for listening to A Voice of Hope. This is a listener-supported ministry by folks like you. We're so glad that you've joined us. A Voice of Hope has been created as a nonprofit ministry to encourage our listeners with helpful resources for hopeful living as we navigate challenging days together. Through lighthearted, easy conversations between our host, Troy Peverall and Chris Sasser, along with their guests, it's our desire that you'll become a voice of hope in your community. Hey, let's change the narrative of the last few years to encourage peace over stress, exchange joy for sorrow, and share the message of hope over despair. Simple steps like these can profoundly impact your community and change lives. Everyone has a story to share and we would love to hear yours. So check us out on the web at mi1.net. That's mi1.net. It's the best place to find out more about A Voice of Hope, send an email, and find a secure place to give. Hey, thanks for listening. We're so grateful for this time together. Well, welcome back to A Voice of Hope. Chris Sasser, Troy Peverell, our friend Lori's here. We're having a great conversation around today's teenagers and what's going on with them. Uh, Lori, it seems like teenagers today are, are really, you know, having a harder, harder time processing all of this stuff that's coming at them, the pressure to you know achieve and perform and working through their emotions. And so part of what, what I want to do is, as, as a parent and as a someone who works with people who work with teenagers is figure out what do we do as adults mm-hmm. to help them learn how to process all this stuff. So what, what ideas or suggestions would you have? I know you do it, you know, when you're talking to people in the counseling room, but what about for the rest of us? What are, what are some ideas for us? Well, a key thing is to just sit with them, <laughs> take yeah. the time and yeah. sit with them, even in the small moments, not waiting until things are really big, but checking in with them throughout the day, throughout their week, um, staying in tune with them um, and it's okay to have hard conversations with your kids. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, don't shy away from those hard conversations. Um, and we also need to model our emotions in appropriate ways, too. They yeah. learn from us and those around us. Um, and so we need to be open and vulnerable 
talking through some things sometimes as well. And I think it's helpful for us to call out what those emotions could be. So kids have a hard time kind of conceptualizing their feelings and their moods. And a lot of times they're just referencing what the TikTok version is, you know, what, the what they think it might be. Is. Yeah. You know, I'll hear kids, you know, that's very frustrating as a therapist <laughs> because a lot of what is presented to them and there's a lot of misuse of what diagnoses are. And, um, and so it makes kids kind of like leery to express what their emotions are uh, because they're afraid of what others might think of that mm -hmm. um, instead of just seeing that everybody has feelings and emotions. God gives us a whole range of emotions for a reason. Yeah. Um, and just giving them a, a place to be able to express that and it's okay. You know, as a parent, when your kid is expressing, especially some scary emotions and thoughts, you know, your initial reaction is, is going to be, whoa, you know, <laughs> of course. Um, but it's important for you to stay calm and to take that time to hear them out and mm -hmm. let them talk and listen and just not overreact to it initially until you have all the information. Yeah. So. It, it is so funny. I had a situation with our daughter literally uh, three days ago where I, I like, I felt like something was going on. We're having a conversation and she wasn't telling me like what her real emotions were and what her real thoughts were about something. But you know, after a few minutes of kind of arguing about a thing, I figured, I figured out, oh, like this is what's going on. So I asked her like, honey, is this what's going on? And she was like, yes. Yeah. And I said, this is a safe place to be able to share that and say that. And had you said that 10 minutes ago, mm -hmm. we, we, we could have gotten to the conclusion real fast in a really good place. But you're right. They just mm -hmm. sometimes don't know how to articulate what the emotions are, what they're feeling, or they don't, they just don't want to for some reason. And so for us mm -hmm. to give them that safe place to do it is so critical, mm -hmm. so critical. So, well, you mentioned a little while ago, kind of this, this isolation piece about how sometimes kids will sort of be more isolated and it does feel like that's what's happening. And so again, what are some things that we as adults can do to maybe pull these kids out of their patterns of isolation that they naturally sort of are going to nowadays? Mm -hmm. I think it's important to remember, this is, a, this is something I had to learn as a mom, because I'm trying to compare my childhood to teenagers yeah, today. It's not the same, and is so, it? So, you know, I'm used, I was used to, I went with my friends and we went out and we did things and I'm telling my kids like, why are you at home? Are you doing things? You have, you have friends? Like what, yeah, you know, what's right. going on? But you have to remember that their, their world is so in the internet. So it's not that they are always isolated, um, but they might be interacting with peers just through social media and, and, and that interaction. So just be mindful of that, that sometimes it's not isolation. But when kids are becoming isolated and they really are interacting with others, again, it's so important to be present, um, to take the time when you notice that, to sit with them and let them know, I notice these things. Yeah. It's so important for kids to be seen and to be heard. Those are so important. And so as a parent is to draw them out, um, engage them, you're making sure that they are engaged in something outside of, you know, their own room, their own space, um, making sure that they have a social network that's positive, that draws them out in a positive way, um, and really just making sure that they have connections. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously engagement in the youth ministry is super important yeah, because you have true. so many connections through there. Yeah. I think it's also good, like, listen to her. Like, one of the things that I see and I think is, is critical is for, as I'm listening through the years of, okay, 
how do we engage our, our teens? Um, part, part of where my mind goes is just that we ourselves need to disengage our own worlds yeah. uh, so, that, so that we can listen uh, and, and see them. And I, I can know just from adult life and working with adults primarily is that people's lives are so full that when you do have children, it is hard to just pull away from your own world. But, you know, sometimes I will look over at our 10-year-old granddaughter and see that she's, you know, in a sense by herself perhaps on her iPad or doing something. And, you know, I might be glued, in her, you know, to watching TV in the room or something. And it's just, it's just that there's nothing that we're doing necessarily wrong, but we're not doing something that's right. Yeah. And ultimately, I think in a sense, like, that is kind of not that is wrong. If we're going to listen and see and hear our kids, we've got to get out of our own little world. Making your family uh, be a competition with their world, I think has a lot to do with keeping your family life uh, fun Mm -hmm. so that it's entertaining for your children Mm -hmm. inside their own home, that they begin to look forward to things in life at home Versus that life for them in the way that they are designed developmentally is outside of the home because it's exciting, it's new, it's it's more people. We have to compete in the sense of our family life and our home life needs to be be a, something that draws them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I know when I do family therapy, um, one of the things that we'll talk about is how, you know, for the parent to ask the child, like, how will I know when the isolation is no longer healthy? Because sometimes Kids just, because of the yeah. overwhelm of achievement, they just need to check they out. They need a break. And so how do we know when it's no longer a healthy thing? You'll know because I won't come down to eat. Um, maybe I will be in bed the whole time when I'm in my room. Um, maybe I'm short with my temper. So just looking for clues when something is different, when mm-hmm. something is off, and then attending to it. Yeah. And I think too, Troy, back to, to what you were saying about how we have to sort of get out of our own world. Like there, there are times with our kids and, and this literally happened last night <clears throat> where like they open the door to sort of extended conversation. And, like we are finished with dinner uh-huh. and we're all sitting at the table and like, <clears throat> instead of let's you know put the dishes in the dishwasher and let's go, they both just started talking. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And, and my wife and I just looked at each other like, we just have to sit right here as long <laughs> as we can. Like as long as they will keep going. Mm-hmm. We need to sit right here, even though we That's feel great. like there are things we have to go do or it's time for the dishes or whatever the next thing is. If you can delay the next thing to mm-hmm. stay in that moment of connection and not let them kind of, because once the you know dishes start happening, <clears throat> somebody's going to their room and somebody's going to watch TV and the, the kind of the isolation begins. Mm-hmm. That's and I've had to That's train okay. myself to say, oh, I'm just going to sit right here. I'm just going to listen. I'm just going to be engaged in this moment because we don't yeah. get many of them. Correct. That's as teenagers. So yeah. good. So so curious. Like in that in that moment, did you uh, or the the two of you? Did you have to communicate with each other? We like, just looked at each other, and we've had this conversation enough uh-huh. to sort of know mm-hmm. that that you know the, kind of this connection that we want to have with our kids takes effort on our part, right. and takes us making kind of decisions. And so we kind of just—I mean, I saw Karen at one point kind of reach for something, and I just kind of looked at her, and she looked back at me, and and, and all of a sudden we're just both sitting there. <laughs> you were cued together. That's yeah, so we were good. cued together with, yeah. oh, okay, they're talking now. Mm. Let's just stop right here. And then we waited for our son. 
because yeah. he was the one going to do the dishes. We waited yeah. for him to prompt. Mm. It's time to, to move on to the next thing. You know, I know that this is not the time, and so I'll say it quickly, but being cued together as a parent yeah. is going to be somewhat driven by the fact that the marriage is 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 working hard yeah. to be together. Yeah. Maritally, but also for your kids. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And just to add to that, uh, mm. I have found that nighttime is the best time to try to talk to kids. That's when mm-hmm. a lot of their emotions are there and there's not a lot of distractions. Yeah. Um, and in the car. Yes. Talking in the car. That's right. Mm. That's <laughs> it, because it's not one-on-one face-to-face. They're just, you know, it's, right. it's less vulnerable, <clears throat> I guess, in that sense. Yeah, that's true. So those moments. So true. Okay, so mm. we, we've talked about a lot of this and, and let's just sort of end in the next you know, couple minutes with, you know, we've talked about the pressures and the anxieties. But, but a lot of this kind of the, the things that, that they're going through lead them to this anxiety. So any other thoughts, Lori, on just practical things we can do to help our kids when it comes to this pressure, anxiety, all the stuff that they're dealing with? Um, assess their their activities and such that they're in. Oh, uh, that's good. The, the school load, the workload, the, the time <laughs> that they spend, the number of things that they're involved in. Be okay with letting some of those things go. Um, be in tune with your kids and know when their mental health is being affected by all of the things that they're doing. Yeah. Giving them permission to be able to say, I don't want to do all these things, or at least say it's, it's too much. Yeah. And, and, and that takes creating kind of a culture in your home where it's okay to say no, and it's okay to not achieve Correct. all of these things. Yeah. Which takes a lot of work. Well, we have a lot to talk about. We're going to be talking about this at least, uh, you know, one more episode. Who knows? Maybe two. So hopefully this has been helpful for you. Even if you don't have teenagers in your home, you're around teenagers in some way, shape or form, or maybe you have grandkids who are teenagers. We just want to be helpful because um, teenagers are going through it right now in a lot of different ways. And as a culture, especially as believers, we want to be there for them. So thanks for listening to A Voice of Hope. As always, you can go to ami1.net to get more information or even maybe make a donation to the ministry to keep this going. So we are thankful for you. We'll talk to you next time on A Voice of Hope.